Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Ways, processes to reduce the performance anxiety and deal with it at the, in the right way. So their awareness is heightened in the right way. It's not them overthinking. In fact, it's the opposite. Rugby Coach Weekly presents The Coaching Knife, where we cut to the root, cut out the fluff, and challenge the masters of their domain to cut to the chase. Welcome to The Coaching Knife, where we cut to the root of the matter. In this episode, we speak to Amanda Owens, leading sports and performance psychologist and former professional test player, and the first woman to work in premiership football with Southampton as a sports psychologist. Founder of the Edge Consultants 2, we're going to focus on developing better performances, where we're going to cut to the root on how we can help and support athletes with performance anxiety. Amanda, are you ready for the knife? Oh, yes. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, okay. Honoured and delighted. Well, I hope you're not too anxious. Uh, and what is anxiety? Anxiety can, is, well, there are two types, really. There's cognitive anxiety, which is the mental anxiety of negative thoughts. I can't do this. Oh, my gosh, it's happening again. And then there's the physical side, somatic anxiety, which is the physiological symptoms, which is feeling sick, jelly leg, increased heart rate, that butterfly feeling. Um, and and can, you have them, can you, have them, both, well. you can have them both at the same time, can you? Yes, absolutely, yeah. And obviously the the uh, kind of resultant effect uh, when, of severe performance anxiety is when one has a freezes, mentally freezes, physically freezes, and has a, perhaps a panic attack or the stress uh, is... Stress is is different here in the fact that stress, you, you've got positive stress, you stress, and negative stress, perceived stress, which is distress. Stress is used so much in modern society, perhaps overused, in fact. And it's understanding actually we do need stress. We need positive stress, you stress, and adrenaline to to uh, to perform. And we we need a certain amount of anxiety and, and stress to perform at our at our best. That and that means sort of nerves, but not too much that one goes over the cliff edge, so to speak. And I mean, there are a number of theories here. There's, there's the drive theory, Hull's drive theory. There's uh, right, right. Let's, there's let's, let's start. Let's dig into those theories then. You can't just throw them out. You have to tell me what the drive theory is. Well, in the a drive short theory is it's very old hat. So it's it's kind of the anxiety and arousal that it, it incrementally grows and it's it's a straight line that as we know it, that doesn't happen and it's it's more individually based it's situation situationally specific as well and it depends upon one's uh, the individual's personality and the amount of stress perceived stress they have in their life and also whether okay, can they're I just, perhaps can I, stop, can I just stop you there then so uh, we can't just have a uniform way of expecting our athletes to perform the personality will make a difference to how anxious they are before again good or bad well yes and no it's also about how how an individual he she him her uh can has adapted learned to adapt and has learned behaviors or or not indeed the case may be to learn uh, how to deal with 
anxiety invoking situations or in distressful situations so it depends on the family environment depends at school depends at sport at the level that they've been playing and how adaptive they are and whether or not they have learnt these skills the, the resilience to be resilient and and behavioral and emotional skills to deal with and support with to, to change their emotional response now so sorry so just going back then so th- there's some really good news here is that you can learn to deal with it yes yes you can yes you can with the right support and obviously we're all different so a cognitive behavioral therapist approach may not be suitable for somebody uh it may be worth looking and seeking help or assistance support from a gestalt therapist or indeed a humanistic person-centered therapist or an integrative integrative psychologist okay so we've got there's there's so there's more than one option to that how do you which one is suitable for you it's a good question i, I think it's understanding it's uh, working with a sports psychologist sport and performance psychologist or indeed a, a therapist is a, it's very much as well about the relationship that you build with with the therapist and indeed the sports psychologist and and obviously understanding their methodology the way they work which they ought to be at the outset when they're having the discussion with you about how they work and and it should ought to be in their terms conditions and and that conversation discussion at the outset before that you agree to work with them so that you understand the way that they work and whether it's suitable for the athlete because we're all different and a lot of athletes do respond very well to integrative therapy or uh, sports psychology approaches not just one approach however it is it's doing a bit of research about and and perhaps talking I always believe I speak to the athlete or the person or the client obviously beforehand for 30 minutes 40 minutes sometimes it's slightly longer to get a feel of who they are and for them to get a feel of who I am how I work have an understanding and awareness of how I work so that then we can move forward and 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 forge for a working relationship working alliance and and assess and diagnose, assess, um, work with, support the athlete and the team in the right way. So it's more specific. So just going back then to the fact that uh, there's obviously a very expert level of support you can give to the to the players. And um, not every player is going to be able to access that support all the time. So from a coach's point of view, I mean, obviously, you'd want to have a sports psychologist with you all the time. What can a coach do just to start the process off or to support what the sports psychologist is doing? Because they're not going to be there uh, 24-7 when you're about to go into a competition. It would be lovely if they were, but they're not always going to be there. Well, it's it's getting an understanding of the athletes, obviously, responding, how they respond to pressure situations, for example, both emotionally and behaviourally. Do they capitulate? Are they showing signs of anxiety? What? How severe are the signs of performance anxiety? Are they chronic? Are they having panic attacks? Are they freezing behaviorally? Are they unable to perform consistently? Are they having behavioral difficulties as regards to actually execution of, of especially in rugby, like penalty taking, uh, drop kicks, passing? You see, but for example, if we take the England-Scotland game on, on Saturday, Scott Finn Russell's experience showed through uh, in the way that he, he it was incredible performance, very consistent and dealt with pressure very well. One of the new England players, perhaps I'm not saying that they underperformed. However, I would say that the nerves, anxiety of the 
game, big game, got to them with the drop passes and lack of discipline and mistakes. There were far too many mistakes. So I'm not saying that's a chronic, that's chronic performance anxiety, or indeed that it's, you could see that anxiety had crept in, however, because passes were missed, ball was dropped, discipline was lacking. Mm. So, so regarding it's the coach can work with the sports psychologist leading up to the game itself and and implement as long as they understand and know what the sports psychologist is working on the coach can reinforce this and it's understanding your players however it's ensuring that the players have tools not don't like the word tools having strategies and ways processes to reduce the performance anxiety and deal with it at the, in the right way. So their awareness is heightened in the right way. It's not them overthinking. In fact, it's the opposite. And for them to have behavioural techniques and emotional techniques, like breathing techniques, like resetting techniques, behavioural techniques, which they and triggers that they can use to change shift and enable them to move from shift from this anxiety panic state into a calmer state and more rational emotive thinking and feeling rather than a panic stricken oh gosh it's going to happen again I can't do this uh it's I can't I, I want to be off the pitch I'm freezing as in mentally freezing and I can't I can't execute this I can't I can't follow through the gate plan. I can't even kick the ball so yeah. and it, so with, the, with this players, then, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now going using the Scotland uh, England game as an example with Finn Russell very experienced now you've got other the, say these England players new to the game you can see this happening now uh, before the game you will get there will be some strategies you've got in place and then during the game there'll be some other strategies and without saying that England got this wrong there may have been some better interventions to help these players or was it inevitable that because Finn Russell's have played the game so often and these players were new, that the, the new players would have been anxious? Would, would there have been things that they could have done which might have made a difference? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying that. I mean, they all gave a really good... It was a great game. It was a superb game, very high level. It wasn't an underperforming England. It was just, unfortunately, the one or two players, clearly the nerves did get to them. Now, we all need nerves. We need nerves. We need the adrenaline. We need the dopamine. We need the 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 uh, the, the hormones. The we we need we we need the endorphin rush of, of playing at this this level, obviously, and the adrenaline. But it's understanding that that if they had used or become uh, reset themselves and perhaps done some breathing techniques or some gestalt of awareness yeah. mindfulness techniques and behavioural. Te- techniques in the here and now in that moment then they wouldn't have perhaps made so many mistakes and perhaps been more disciplined and more focused more in the moment because clearly behaviorally and emotionally the nerves unfortunately when we look at like Hardy's catastrophe model uh one or two players they they really did the nerves got to them too and that's only natural however yes I I'm saying as a sports psychologist where with 25 years of experience that players can learn to develop skills, mental skills and emotional and behavioural skills to counteract that level of performance anxiety and deal with it in an effective way. And, and so that oh, they sorry, channel what does, what does, Sorry, what does reset mean? Reset. Yeah. Reset means to be able to, if they've made a mistake, not dwell on it, not ruminate, uh, not allow it to affect the next minute, next quarter, next, next 15, 20 minutes, next 
next set, next strategy, next whatever. It, so how do you, how do you start that? Pro- how do they start that process, or how do you start that process with them? I mean, uh, well, it, I'm assuming that uh, you don't just go on and say, "Oh, right, reset," and automatically. It is taken some time for you to build up the. Yeah, absolutely. The- it depends on the player and what we're working on. It's usually a three three stage process. Could be a four stage process. We look at specific areas of their games. If it's uh, performing under pressure, if it's it's performance anxiety in critical moments or pressure moments so it's for the player to understand what those pressure moments are understand what behaviorally happens so the use of video analysis here as well and for them to to practice in the on the training pitch away from games uh, so they they practice over and over and over again how they want to execute it how what they want to be doing how they want to be feeling and and what so going through a gestalt process it's what they want to be seeing hearing feeling no Noticing and imagining in that moment. So, if we're looking at a, uh, working with rugby internationals, t- uh, taking penalties, for example, and if, if you look at well, uh, if you look at Farrell Owen Farrell's routine, he takes an enormous amount of time before he takes his uh, penalty kick. Now, on two of those penalty kicks, I predicted that he'd miss because it he looked like he changed slightly the routine and he took longer. So. It's understanding that at that moment you need to you need to reset your your behavioural self self and emotional self and not take longer. I'm not saying rushing it at all. However, it's keeping consistency there. So it might be a four stage process. It might be breathing, then going through. I see. I hear. I feel. I notice. I imagine how he wants to take the penalty. It's really quick. I'm not talking minutes here. I'm talking seconds but this is something he's practiced and becomes unconscious then it's a behavioral trigger you see players they've got their behaviors whether with their hand or their foot or, or banging their foot or whatever they do or slapping their thigh something to change their emotional state and then it's the execution but it's being deliberate intent confident and and this is where visualization comes in as well and there are different types of there's the in-depth visualization really works so so it's taking a player to a, a relaxed, however, hypnotic state whereby they are really feeling, seeing, hearing, noticing and imagining that they're in that space, performance space of taking a penalty or or taking a drop kick or, 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 or they're scoring a try and, and taking them through that process. So it's really real for them and they can evoke those feelings. They can really feel it and be there. And that that's in a nutshell, this mindful, gestalt mindfulness. I'm seeing I'm hearing I'm feeling I'm noticing I'm imagining it's being right there right now but also going through that step process the breathing's got to be part of this in order to to uh, reduce the performance anxiety in the nerves at that moment so they're calm and composed and it's just a habit and they're just doing it they don't overthink so it has to be a habit. It's not something that you can just uh, use. Oh, here's an anxious player. You, you obviously you wouldn't say be with saying calm down. You wouldn't uh, just say oh breathe. No, no, absolutely you'd not. Have yeah. to, you have to. It has to be trained over a period of time, in order for them to be able to then deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. Mental and mental skills. My I was very privileged and lucky to be trained by John Sire and Christopher Connolly and Jonathan Males from Sporting Body Mind, and they were the world leading and first sporting body mind uh, sports psychology consultancy worked in business and sport and John Sy worked with us and won various trophies with them he worked with Chris Broadman he worked with the Olympics he uh, and Christopher Connolly worked 
from various sports at the highest level. And I, I, I was very lucky having been trained by George and Judith Brown, who were Gestalt therapists from, from California, the Aslan Center, and, and going through very intense Gestalt and humanistic training to enable uh, one to understand how we perceive things, because it's all about perception, and also how we respond emotionally to situations, to pressure situations, to games. And really, if it's a big game, why is it a big game? It shouldn't be a big game. It's just another game. However, it's about how you prepare for that game. So performance anxiety is very individual. However, it can also, there can be a symbiosis here. If one player is exhibiting anxiety, it can have a knock-on effect for other players. So it's understanding how your mood, one's mood impacts performance. It's understanding that mental skills can be are taught and learnt just like technical skills. So it's over a period of time, yes, but it's it's practicing these skills and taking ownership of them, and so they become habits over time. Okay, Amanda, that's been brilliant. Obviously, we just only scratched the surface of what to what happens there, but we've certainly got an idea that we need to be investing more time and effort into our mental skills. So Amanda's CV is is quite. Uh, impressive for lots of reasons and she's mentioned some of the things there she's also been heavily involved with the former Worcester Warriors Leicester Tigers coached uh, or helped support international rugby players work with the uh, British Olympic Association as well as supporting business leaders to improve their performance uh, the philosophy uh, her philosophy is unique and client-centered highlighting the importance of a person-centered approach meeting the specific needs of the client or athlete this enables the athlete to be more aware of their core needs so behavioral and emotional change can occur and their vision is achieved using a uniquely gestalt i hope i pronounced that correctly i don't think i did and humanistic method and methodology and approach you can contact her uh, on email amanda at believeconsulting.co.uk I'll visit her uh, at her website, which is www.believeconsulting.co.uk. So we're going to finish with a few quick fire questions. Uh, Amanda, how old are you? Uh, oh gosh, one should never ask a woman her her age. However, I'm I'm getting younger year by year. Good, we like that, uh, and I think we'd all like to be getting younger year by year as well. Uh, what coaching book is by your bedside? Coaching, but oh my gosh, loads. Well, it's not so much coaching, but I would say one of the most inspirational books I've ever read, and I, I recommend to clients as well, is um, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, which is amazing about dealing with conflict and uh, and difficult situations and logotherapy. I'd say Sporting Body Mind, Sporting Body, Sporting Mind by John Sy, Christopher Connolly. The Little Red Good little red book of gestalt what else oh John well that's Matt. pretty impressive that's a pretty impressive Maxwell list leadership yeah. and, and matthew side bounce all right okay matthew side bounce okay which coach or teacher are you loving at the moment mm. there are there are many i respect you've got to pick one who, who are you thinking oh i'm really quite enjoying this person yeah i can't pass the sign much. Patrick uh, Patrick Moulagu, who uh, coaches Serena Williams, and just recently this week, uh, Stefano Tipsipas, absolutely uh, inspiring and, and incredible. I'd say I have the biggest respect for uh, for Clive Woodward, having won the uh, World Cup in two thousand and three, and also I would say the female coach, uh, the women's women's football team. I think her approach is fantastic, and uh, I, I I think we we need to 
appreciate what they achieved. It was outstanding and incredible. And also, yeah, I have. Uh, I would like to see. I would like to see more more female managers. I would like to see more females get recognition within professional sport. We are there. We do exist, but we need more recognition. Quite right. Uh, which team, sport, or subject would you be love love to be coaching at the moment? Uh, gosh, F one. I, 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 I uh, years and years and years ago, I did some work in F one. I haven't. I'm not currently working F one. I find F one be fascinating from a team perspective, but also the driver, the the psychology required, and the resilience and the intensity of focus is is incredible. And uh, also, I'd like to add, I have the biggest respect for uh, Andy Murray. Uh, I think. To come back from and recover from his metal hip and and have the hip operation be written off and then show how much courage, bravery and uh, and resilience he has and how determined he has. I think I think youngsters can learn enormous amounts about digging in, not giving up, being resilient, uh, believing in yourself. And, and just if you if you want to do something, you can do it if you put your mind to it and also believe in yourself. Who's inspired you most? Gosh, I've got a couple of people. You've got to narrow it down to maybe one or two. All right, okay. My my mother and father. I I say uh, my yeah my my partner uh, my uh, John Peter Terry who trained me as a sports psych as well and John Sire and I I wouldn't be where I am today. Also, I would like to point out my tennis coaches. Yeah, because I mean they, they to. to to put in that amount of time when I was a uh, teenager and a young adult and, and I learned so much about myself and what I was capable of, I certainly wouldn't have ended up being a sports psychologist. So I have a lot to thank them for. It, it's, it's really, yeah, one has to make a massive sacrifice. And yes, perhaps I retired too early. However, it's not a regret. It was just what I chose to do. However, to have those experiences, traveling abroad, playing for Great Britain, playing internationally, get a world ranking, playing professionally, it was incredible. And finally, what would you tell your 20-year-old self to do more of? My 20-year-old self, gosh, um, to <laughs> my 20-year-old self, gosh, I I was really, really incredibly focused at 20. I, I, I liked myself at 20, but I would, would I have told myself to do, no, I, I no, I'd perhaps less do, less Lenny Henry impersonations, perhaps, that's about it. <laughs> probably the best answer i'll ever have uh, to that question amanda it's been brilliant i mean as i said we scratched the surface it's been a real honor that uh, you've come on the show so thank you very much for your time thank you thank you very much